Okay, so thank you for coming very much. Today's class is dedicated for the Fuasha Um One is Vivian Bat Esther, who I'm not sure who that is. Um, I'll just put on my desk here. And then the other one, and I may find out afterwards that I know her very well, but it's hopefully she has a completed Fuasha And the second one is someone that by now probably a lot of us know who this is. Sarah Bat Simcha. Um, Serene Tabeli, Hashem should send her a complete Fuashalema. We love her family. We love the Tabelis. We love the Dweks. Grew up in Deal. We grew up um, really admiring the fam- family and her in laws family. Has been here in this class countless times. They reach out all the time. Um, on Monday, when this started to develop, and on Tuesday, when we all started to hear about this, um, I think most of our heads began to spin. And, and hopefully, Bezrat Hashem, in the coming days, we'll find out that the whole thing was a joke, because it doesn't feel like it's real. So I hope, Bezrat Hashem, it's really not. But, you know, one of the things we do in doing this is, I know I speak of classes and all that, but really, the biggest part of it is just a sense of love for families and people like this. So I so hope Hashem sends a stronger Fashlama for her and makes this process very easy for her, her husband, and her five young beautiful children. Abizat Hashem, this is just goes away. Like when you have a nightmare, you wake up and it was nothing. Hopefully, inshallah, we wake up and find out it's nothing. And it's dedicated by a couple that we've been close to for a long time, the family and the extended family, David and Carol Hoffman. So thank you for dedicating it. And again, we love you. They're, that family, David and Carol, a big part of building this structure that we're in right now. So we're indebted to them in many ways. And I just hope she has a complete reflection in mind. Like I said, more than anything, more than anything we care. And the beautiful people raising a beautiful family that comes from beautiful people Hashem, please, we can't handle these things. So please, inshallah, it should be gone. Amen. Okay. Now it's hard to give a class. Yes. You know? You're waiting, I know, but I'm like, you got to get in the mood, like, and, and like, I lost some of my mood, but hopefully, hopefully I'll get it back. It just, you know, okay. You know, it's hard being sensitive. Like, it's hard to care. I can't explain it because then... You just, you know, but at the same time, I love caring, so whatever. So here's what we're going to talk about today. Last week, we spoke about the struggle, the struggle that we have identifying why there's a struggle and what the struggle feels like inside when someone has a struggle with any area that the Yetzirah Hara and any battle that the Yetzirah Hara is creating. What I'd like to talk about today is almost a follow-up, but not quite. Is is there a habit, something about you, or something about the people you surround yourself with, that you wish you could get rid of? (laughs) Something that you've become so attached to in your life, but you know it's not good for you. And for any person, it could be anything. It could be anxiety. It could be, it could be a bad friend who brings negativity. Um, 
it could be frustration. It, it could be too sensitive, like I just mentioned. It could be not sensitive enough. It could be overthinking. It could be a, a tough relationship. And it could be a thousand other things that I'm not thinking of right now. Something that you're attached to, that you know isn't good for you, that you wish you could get rid of. And the reason why we're going to talk about it is because that's what happened in this week's parasha. God told Abraham Avinu, Lech Lecha. Get up and go. And that means that Abraham had something in that place that he was attached to that Hashem said, you need to let go of it. And the, one of the greatest men to ever live, one of his top ten tests, was Lech Lecha, was to have the strength and the courage to let go. And this was hard. The proof that it was hard is that the order of the pasuk is backwards. Because the pasuk says, Lech Lecha, get up and go. Me'arsecha from your land. From where you were born, the neighborhood you were born in. From your father's home. That's backwards. First you leave your house, then you leave your neighborhood, then you leave the country. You don't first leave the country, then the neighborhood, then your house. The answer is you're right. Physically that's what you do. But mentally to let go of the country is the easiest. To let go of the neighborhood is more difficult. And to let go of your father's house is the most difficult. So Hashem is telling Abraham Avinu, you have something in your life you need to let go of. And this is not going to be easy. But this is your test. Your first test is you have to have the strength to let go. You have to identify what that piece of you is that needs to go. And I hope in yes, last week's class, you thought about it a little bit. And what are the things that I struggle with? What is that thing you need to let go of? And then... Do it. But that's so hard to do. It's so difficult. You've become so attached to whatever this is that, that I'm talking to you about. And I don't know what I'm talking to you about, but you know what I'm talking to you about. Whatever that is, it's difficult to let go. But you need to. And what I'm going to try to do is explain sort of the twists and turns of this challenge. Here's my first question about Abraham. How is this really a test? If Hashem himself came to you and said, you now need to move in to your cousin's house, would it be so hard? Hashem told you to do it. Is it that hard to hear something that Hashem directly tells you to do and to listen? Why is it so difficult? So I'm going to tell you why it was difficult. What Abraham Avinu could have thought or could have done that would make it difficult. That Ambam famously writes that Abraham Avinu was the man who came along and changed the world. And he made thousands, actually tens of thousands of people understand and identify Hashem. Abraham Avinu was doing a tremendous amount of good. That Rambam's word, alafim urvavot, which means thousands and tens of thousands of people were starting to identify with Hashem and starting to recognize God. And now Hashem tells him, lech lecha, get up and go. Abraham Avinu could have said, but Hashem, what do you mean? I'm doing good here. There's more good here. You want me to let go 
there's good that's happening here. I'm doing a lot of good. Even for you, it's better for me to stay. And Abraham's faith was to understand, and here's the first twist, that sometimes when you're letting go of something bad, some good has to go with it. And sometimes that thing inside of you, let's say it's, it's a lot of overthinking. So you, in your mind, you say, I like to overthink because it helps me focus, it helps me get things done, it helps me not forget. So the overthinking has some good with it. I have to be able to let go of the good, some of the good with the bad. Let's say you have a few friends that bring you down and you say, you know what, I'm not going to be with these friends anymore. But I feel bad because of the six friends, two of them are good. And I, I really can't, it's not that they're all together, so it's either all or nothing. So now I'm letting go of some of the good with the bad. Abraham Avinu had enough faith to know. Hashem, you're telling me to leave. Even though I know that coming along with that leaving means that I'm putting in jeopardy all these tens of thousands of people that I brought closer to you. I'm going to let go of the good with the bad. Are you ready for a credible story? I'm going to give you an incredible example, story example of this. Oh, I forgot. We were supposed to get a mic. Some people had a hard time. Oh, don't get mad at me. I'm trying. Okay? Okay, there's stuff on my mind. Okay, here we go. Here's an incredible story. Happened last year. Last year, and this story is sort of made its rounds in Israel, and I read it somewhere, and the people are all alive, so it can't be made up. There was a young yeshiva boy, maybe he's 22 years old, marriageable age. He got corona right before Yom Kippur. So he goes to his rabbi and he says, I really want to go to shul on Yom Kippur. Rabbi says, I'm sorry, it's dangerous, and you can't go to shul on Yom Kippur. He goes to one of the big rabbis in Israel, his name is Chaim Feinstein, probably related to Moshe Feinstein. He goes to the rabbi, he says, Rabbi, you don't understand. I need to pray in shul on Yom Kippur. I can't pray home alone. He says, why are you saying it with such desperation? He says, I'll tell you why. He says, I have four older siblings that are all single. Three sisters and one brother. He says, I have to pray on Yom Kippur in the proper setting. I need Hashem to hear my prayers. And so that he answered that, all these people have to get married. The rabbi said, I'm sorry, you can't put other people in danger. He says, but I need to pray. He says, I understand, but you got to let go of your prayer with a minyan and with a shul and pray at home. And the rabbi says, listen, he says, on Yom Kippur, I usually get maftir yonah. That's at the afternoon, we read yonah in mencha. He says, after, after I get that aliyah, after I get maftir yonah, I'm going to say a mishaberach, for you and your siblings. And he did. During the winter, two of his older sisters got engaged. In the summer, his older brother got engaged. Erev Rosh his third sister got engaged. And Erev Yom Kippur, he got engaged. Come on, that doesn't even sound real, that story. I, I, it's, it's, it's hard to believe, but it's raining all over the place. And like I said, the people are all alive. You know, if it was 100 years ago, you could say, ah, it was exaggerated. But they're alive. They could see the story. You can't sketch it. Is that crazy? 
sometimes you need to let go of something good too. So I bet you that whatever you're holding on to has given you, it might be 80% bad, but it's 20% good. Maybe there's that friend that brings you down and is negative, but inside of you, you say, you know what? But every now and then when I call her, she's just the best person to just fish out, to let go, to talk talk about anything. She doesn't bother me. She loves it. I, get, I feel good every now and then, so I don't want to let go. I wanted to tell you something incredible that I just heard. There was an event, a, a small event on Sunday for some rabbis, which I was not at, where they give them a little understanding of mental health. One of the rabbis that was there told me a little bit about it afterwards. What do you think is worse? Anxiety or depression? I get it. That's like, I don't know. What's worse, sleeping in the street or eating rocks? I, I hear you. So here's what they said. Here's what this fairly well-known therapist said. He said that anxiety is worse, but depression is worse. What does that mean? That means that with depression, the problem with depression is that people that have depression like their depression. They enjoy it. They enjoy being depressed. Everyone feels sorry for them. People soothe them. They could, they're excused from everything. I'm depressed, so I could eat, I could drink, I could do, I could be obnoxious because they're depressed. So the depression is, is bad, but, but they enjoy it. So they never want to fix it because there's some good that they're getting out of it and they don't want to let go of the good. Anxiety is so bad. It has no saving grace. So everyone who has it just wants freedom from it. So anxiety in, in anxiety is easier to fix because the person so desperately wants to fix it. The problem with depression is that even though it's terrible, is that for, in their mind somehow it's good. And we have a hard time letting go of the bed when it includes letting go of good. Abraham Avinu, lech lecha, get up and go. Have the strength, have the conviction to get up and go, even though you're leaving good behind. Because that's what trusting Hashem means. There's another twist to letting go. You know, the other day, I made a speech at a wedding. And at the speech... And don't worry, I mentioned this. I asked the parents before mentioning it. And at the speech, I was talking about a couple who got very religious. And you would say in some ways more observant than their parents. So sometimes I get a little risky in my wedding speeches because the regular boring ones, the parents are nice, they're nice, they have me do it like I can't do it. So <laughs> I said, you know, a lot of times when this happens, people think that these kids got religious despite their parents. Which could be, but like I'm saying it at a wedding, so it's a little scary to say. <laughs> I said, and what they think is, is they think they're doing their own personal lech lecha. They're getting up and leaving their country, their house, their parents' ways, they're getting up and leaving. I said, but let me tell you a fascinating Zohar. Here's what the Zohar writes. 
It's and a, based on a pasuk at the end of last week's parasha that leads into this. The pasuk says that Terach, that's Abraham Avinu's father, Vayikach Terach, Terach took his son Abraham, he took Lord his grandson, he took Abraham's wife Sarai, he took all of them, Vayetzu itam me'urkastim, and he left Urkastim to go Kenan, to go to the land of Israel. And he stopped, ended up stopping in Haran, and he never made it to Israel. Says the Zohar, what is what really happened? What happened here is Abraham Avinu is going to be told, get up and go to Israel. He's not starting the journey. His parents started the journey. His father had done Teshuvah and started the trip. He just never got all the way. But his father had started the trip and he's just continuing it. The Lech Lecha was not really go away from them. It just continued what they already had begun. So I said, this couple right here, I said, you guys... You, you're not despite your parents. You are this way because of your parents. I'm doing this long enough. No these kinds of kids long enough that your parents are such wonderful people with such great thought that maybe they're not going to do everything you do. But they started the trip. So Abraham Avinu's trip really began with his father. And here's the challenge that happens. Getting to our story here in the Torah. Is then the Pasuk says, Vayamot Terach Becharan. Terach, his father, passed away. So what happened is, they got up to do their journey. The father started with his son, his daughter-in-law, his grandson. They got up and started to do the journey. And then as they started the journey, this father died. So it got more difficult. What happens very often with your own Lech Lecha is it gets harder before it gets easier. So you say, one second, I put down the cigarette. I shouldn't do this anymore. I put it down. Now all of a sudden you're frustrated and you're angry and you're anxious. And you're like, this isn't worth it. Or you let go of a friend and you're like, one second, now I'm bored. And now I'm tired. And now I feel lonely. This isn't worth it. You need to realize that this is how the process works. If you're going to get rid of laziness, it's going to be hard before it gets easy. That's how the process works. That's how it happens. And that's what happened to Abraham Avinu. He lost his father. As it's happening, he's losing his father. Like, one second, I, I'm, I'm doing, we're headed in the right direction. Why is this happening? That's what happens. So if you say to yourself, I'm going to let go of something. And then all of a sudden, two weeks in, it's more difficult. You're like, Hashem, I'm doing something good. Why are you making it hard? I don't know why. That's the process. I'll give you a little example. Another story I heard last, two weeks ago. man himself told me the story. A few months ago, I gave a class about a man who gives all kinds of charities. So he told me a story. He says, Rabbi, this Friday, this Friday, I, I, in work, some deal I was involved in, I was losing. All of a sudden, I found out that I lost $300,000 in a day. He says, and then I got a charity opportunity. He says, I get the charity opportunity, and I stop, and I'm like, I just lost $300,000. So then I stop, and someone says, Hashem. He says, well, Hashem, I know what you're doing. You're making this difficult. You want to see if I can do this? You want to see if I would do it even though I just lost all kinds of money? He says, I know. He says, but I'm going to give the charity anyhow. 
And he writes out the check for whatever it was. I don't know what the number is, but it was obviously a significant number. I write out the check anyhow. He says, and sure enough, I'm still losing the money. And I'm still losing the money. He says, right before Shabbat, the whole 300000 came back. So, but again, that's how it works. It gets harder before it gets easier. So be ready for that. But it's always worth it. Because if anybody in this room has anything they've ever changed from, if there's anything you've ever done already, any lech lecha you've already done, something you've left, and it was hard, and it did get hard before it got easy. But once you really did it, you feel so awesome about it. And it's so worth it. So yes, I know it's hard, but it's so worth it. The process is worth it. You lay down the cigarette, and now for a few months you're anxious, but once you get over that anxiety, now all of a sudden you're like, wow, I'm a much healthier person. So whatever that thing is for you, be ready for that, accept it, do it anyhow. But here's another fear that happens. A fear that Abraham Avinu actually did have, says the Bereshit Rabbah. Abraham Avinu was afraid that as God told him to get up and leave, his father was still alive, God told him to get up and leave, he says, it's going to be a tremendous Chilul Hashem. Because people are going to see me leaving my father. It's not going to look good at all. There's going to be a tremendous Chilul Hashem. He says, so what should I do? Hashem said, first of all, I exempt you from the Kibbut Avayim obligation. I don't exempt anybody else, but I exempt you. And then anyhow, your father, by the time you go, your father's not going to be alive anymore, so you're not going to have the issue. So the commentaries ask a question. One second. Uh, it's nice. Hashem made some personal exemption from Abraham Avinu. But the reality is that everybody watching is going to think that he's leaving his father. He's going to think he's transgressing. Isn't that a chilu Hashem? Isn't that a tremendous Hashem? If everyone thinks that as he's listening to God, if everyone thinks he's doing something wrong, isn't that a chilu Hashem? The answer is it's not. It's not a Chilul Hashem to do something that's right, even though to others it doesn't look right. If it's right, it's right. Everyone has a misconception about what Chilul Hashem is. And you think, oh, people are not going to understand, they're not going to say, they think I became this, they think that, they're not going to be happy with me, people around me are going to think, and then maybe it's going to cause, doesn't matter. If you're really doing right, maybe you have to be smooth about it and smart about it and know what you're doing. I'm not saying be obnoxious and be and be like uh, un, uncomfortable about how you express it and how you do it. But when you do it, I don't care if people think you're wrong. If it's right, it's right. Does that make sense? Yes? Good. I'll give you a little example. I didn't know that he grew up in Israel. But this example is a rabbi who passed away, I think, a few weeks ago. He was the head of Flappish Yeshiva for a long time, Rabbi Eliyach. Well, as a little boy, he was like 99, I think. As a little boy, he lived in Israel. And he heard about this person in B'nai Brak in 1933. He hears about this person. He says, you know what? I'm going to go see him myself. So he goes up the hill in B'nai Brak, Israel in the very, very, very religious neighborhood, he goes up the hill and sees this little hut of a house and the door's open. So he goes inside into the house and sees this rabbi lying on a bed, 
learning with a sefer. And he's standing right there for 20 minutes, and the rabbi doesn't see him. Finally, the rabbi notices and picks up his head. He says, what can I do for you? And he's standing right here. What can I do for you? He says, nothing. I just have a question. He says, Rabbi Eliyahu says, I think he was 11. He says, I, I've seen my father learn. He sits at a table. I've seen my grandfather learn. He sits at a stender. Why are you learning in bed? So the rabbi says, yeah, I'll tell you why. He says, the reason is because sometimes in life, things are easy. Sometimes things are hard. And you have to learn all the time. He says, so when I'm able to sit at the desk, of course I do. But right now I'm sick and I'm not feeling well. So therefore I'm lying in bed. But even when I'm lying in bed, I also have to learn. This little Eliyah boy leaves the house and he tells a friend, he says, that the bed in that house is weak, the house is weak, the chair is weak, everything in there is weak. But that man on that bed, he's strong. And the man on the bed was the Chazon Ish. And that's, you know, you see a rabbi lying in bed, it doesn't look right. Why is he lying in bed learning, like learn for real? The answer is, it was right. He was doing, he was sick, he was doing right. It doesn't matter if everyone understands it or not. If it is right, that's what Lech Lecha includes. Doing what you know and believe is right, even if, it, even if in the process, other people don't understand or even think that you're wrong. I'll give you another twist. This one is for your home and for your marriage. Because I think that I didn't give any examples of this throughout the class, but I think in a lot of cases, the hardest thing to let go of has to do with something in your own house. Abraham Abinu travels and he pitches his tent. Vayet Aholo, he pitches his tent. And the Pasuk is read Aholo, which is his tent. But in the Torah, the letters are Ahola, her tent. Aleph Hey, Lamed Hey, her tent. Says Rashi, why does it say his tent, but really say her tent? Because when he got there, he pitched her tent first, and then he pitched his own. First he pitched his wife's tent, and then he pitched his own. Many times, the thing you need to let go of is something that's affecting your home. And sometimes you need to let go of something for your spouse. You need to let go of your anger for your spouse. You need to let go of your, your in, insulting, getting insulted for your spouse. You need to let go of how you talk for your spouse. Letting go sometimes or often means that in your own home, I'm not talking about friends, I'm not talking about other people, I'm not talking about a personality, I'm talking about pitch your spouse's tent before you pitch yours. Think about what you could give in to them before you think about what you're giving in, what you're doing for your own self. And we lose sight of this. It's the funniest thing because, you know, doing a lot of weddings every single time, I've mentioned this before, every single time, sit with a couple to talk about this speech, and then you say to the couple, why, why, what are you seeing each other? Always. He puts me before himself. She puts me before anybody else. And I keep thinking, every time they say it, it's I, but every time they say it, I think, just wait till you get married. <laughs> That's why as I'm writing the notes, and I'm writing it down, and I'm like, and they even recently said, and I can't imagine what it's going to be like 
when, you, when we get married. I'm like, you have no idea. <laughs> and that's the truth. We all put our spouses ahead of ourselves when we're engaged. But many of us don't when we're married. You need to let go of that too. You need to let go of whatever that selfishness is that you have. If it's laziness, if it's obnoxiousness, if it's something, and maybe I'm saying it too strong. Maybe it's just a subtle thing that affects your spouse. You need to put them first. You need to let go of that too. And here's one more twist, which I think in some ways, maybe the biggest chidush or the most important of them all. Abraham Avinu goes down as he's traveling. He gets to Israel. It's a famine. He now has to go down to Egypt. He goes down and he says, all of a sudden he gets there and he's afraid of what? He's afraid that they're going to take his wife and kill him. So he tells his wife, say that you're my sister. So that they do good for me because of you. Because you're my sister. They're going to do good for me. Says Rashi, what does that mean? Because of my, you're my sister, they're going to give me gifts. So I don't know why I never thought of this question before, but I recently saw this question that really pops off the page. Abraham Avinu wants gifts? One second. When there's a battle between four kings and the five kings, they want to give him a gift. He says, I won't even take a shoelace. So why now is he saying, here's the plan. You say you're my sister, and therefore they're going to give me gifts. I thought you despised gifts. Why now all of a sudden do you want the gift? The answer is that when the battle of the four kings against the five kings, taking the gift would be a chilul Hashem. Because it would look like he was fighting just for the gift. So therefore he says, I don't want anything. But in this case, taking the gift would be a kiddush Hashem. Because it would be, look, Hashem put us in a very tough spot and we had enough faith to believe that not only am I, are we going to be okay, but we're going to get gifts out of it. Look how great Hashem is. He took us from putting us in Egypt where here we have where we have potential of getting killed. Not only did we survive, we even got gifts. The taking was the Kiddush Hashem. And here's my point to you. Sometimes... This hardest thing to do is to let go. But sometimes the hardest thing to do is to let in. And there are times where the test of lech lecha isn't letting go of something, it's letting something in. It's having a friend that you need to open up to and having the courage to let them in. It's having a parent that you are always shy to talk to and letting them in. It's having someone give you a gift where the best thing you could do for them is accept the gift. You know, some people have a battle to make sure that they let food out of the system, that they don't stay attached to food. For other people, the challenge is let the food in. That it's hard for them to take it. It's hard for them to eat it. It's hard for them to do it. Lech lecha sometimes means let go, and sometimes it means let in. Abraham Avinu knew that in one place, the, I should absolutely not take the gift. And in another place, the best thing I could do is to take the gift. Because when you go through this process, when you go through the Lech Lecha, there's a next pasuk. What does the next pasuk say? 
And we'll end in two minutes, three minutes. I'm going to make you for a great nation. I'm going to bless you. I'm going to make your name quick. So many times, when you go through that lech lecha, you see unreal rewards. And you see the results in such a beautiful way. I said at that wedding, I said, you know what? Your kid's getting religious. What's the mother's greatest fear when her son is getting more religious than they are? What's the mother's greatest fear? I'll tell you what their greatest fear is. Every time. It's who's my son going to marry? They always think that their son is going to marry a Hasidic girl from Borough Park with two heads and four wigs. They always are afraid of that. So I said, well, look what Hashem did to you. Look what Hashem did. What happened is one day, on Route 35, this is your story, on Route 35, um, this mother is going to Staples. You know Staples? There's a Staples on Route 35. She stops by the Staples, and all of a sudden she sees a girl park the car next to her, or a few shots down, get up and walk into the store. She says, hey, wait, that girl might be a good idea for my son. So she goes into the store, turns into the CIA, and starts following the girl up and down the aisles. It's a true story. She goes, one aisle, the pencils, the paper, whatever this stuff you get in Staples. I hate that store, but anyhow, they, they never have anything I need. But anyhow, you go up and down the aisles, and then just bumps into her at the cash register, and comes home and tells her son, I know who you're going to be dating. And her son's like, oh, I'm telling you, this is who you're dating. She says, well, Ma, did you, did you see her? Uh, this is who you're dating. I'm calling Mrs. Molly Haber right now, and she's going to set it up. <laughs> and sure enough, it set it up, and they got married this week. And Hashem's great reward to these parents is that you're so nervous about who he's going to marry, you're going to pick the girl. You're going to see the girl. So often when you have the courage to lech lecha, you see great results. You just have to be willing to do it even though it's difficult. You have to be willing sometimes to let go of some of the good with the bad. You have to be willing to do the twists and turns even though it gets harder before it gets easier. You have to be willing to do it even though it doesn't always look good. You have to be willing to do it sometimes by letting go and sometimes by letting in. You have to do it even most cases in your own home. You have to be able to do it. But every time you do it, it's hard and before it becomes worth it. And then you look back and you're like, I can't believe I thought of not doing this. I'm so thankful that I had the courage to do it. But here's the key to the whole thing. It's this word. El ha'aretz asherar eka. To the place that I'm going to tell you. You don't always know where it's going to take you. You don't always know how you're going to handle life without that friend. You don't always know how you're going to survive without having the anxiety or depression. You don't always know how it's going to be if I give in to my spouse always. Maybe, God forbid, I'm almost going to feel abusive. This is scary. You have to be willing to do the scary in order to get the beautiful. Can I tell you one more incredible story? Also, again, heard this story from the person who was in the story. Okay? So there's no, this is the person who saw the whole story. I've mentioned to you before, I used a fake name named Jeffrey, but someone in the community who's helping a lot of people with medical. It's not hard at this point if you don't know who he is, your head is in the sand. 
But anyhow, this is a story that happened about a year ago, almost exactly a year ago. A doctor calls up from the hospital, calls him up, says, hi, Jeffrey. There's this woman here in the hospital who's in terrible shape. She has COVID and she has blood clots all over her body. There's almost nothing we can do. There's just one test item we could do that we really don't know if it's effective. It'll take a few days. Maybe it will be, maybe it won't be. This Jeffrey calls up a rabbi in the community who knows what's going, knows things, and he says, I heard this name. It's a name I never heard of before. Do you know anything about it? He says, yeah, I knew something about it. What happened was in this family is there were three brothers, and one brother passed away from COVID, and he left a widow. The other two brothers are in a financial fight with the widow. I don't know who's right. I don't know anything about the story, but they're in a financial fight with the widow, and they're not talking to her. It's a whole fight. Now, one of the brothers that's alive, he has COVID, and his wife is in the hospital with this serious case that you're talking about. So that's the story. He says, so Jeffrey says, but I need someone to sign off on this testing. So, okay, the one brother passed away. His wife is a widow. They're not talking to her. These, this, um, this guy has COVID. He can't come to the hospital for his own wife, so it has to be the one other brother is going to come to the hospital. Okay. Jeffrey then says, okay, calls up this brother. He says, you're going to come to the hospital. Then he conferences on the phone with the rabbi, this brother who's going to go to the hospital. He says, the situation with your sister-in-law is terrible. Here's what I need you to do. He says, you need Hashem's help now like you never needed it before. He says, here's what I need you to do. You need to start the first step to peace. So here's what you have to do. You're going to write out a check for $100,000. And you're going to deliver it to the rabbi's house. And the rabbi is going to deliver it to your widowed sister-in-law. And you're going to start the process of peace. The man gets off the phone. The rabbi calls Jeffrey and says, Jeffrey, you're out of your mind. You have no idea how bad the situation is. It's never happening. You're nuts. Ten minutes later, $100,000 check was delivered to the rabbi's house. Two rabbis went to the widow's house. She had a candle. It was about a year ago right now. She had a candle in memory of Hanvajah Yosef. And they delivered the check to her. She starts crying. The three of them sit there, say a chapter of Tehillim for her sister-in-law who's in the hospital. 20 minutes later, the doctor calls up and says, all the clots are gone. Again, I can't make up stories like that. I feel like a lawyer. You'd say it's not even... I'm talking to the person who watched every step. Because you see, the world, what Hashem puts us here for is to let go. And sometimes it's a mini thing. Sometimes you just have to let go of a parking spot at a small moment. And sometimes it's a major part of you. But it's difficult. It's not an easy thing to do. But when you do and you have the trust that to go to wherever Hashem is going to take you, after that, the promise is you will feel, you will experience, you will see the blessing. It may happen tomorrow. It may be more difficult before it gets easy. But eventually, you'll look back and say, this Lech Lecha was worth it. Thank you.